Well, welcome everyone to the Greg's Garage Pod with co-host Jason Pridmore. And I'm doing the normal intro from years and years ago. Hello, Jason Pridmore. What is up, G-Dub? Well, what's up is, is that we are sitting face-to-face. And is this the first time we've ever done a podcast yeah, face-to-face? Yeah, it's disturbing me already. Yeah, I don't really you. like this. This no, is no good. I just like imagining you sitting at your office with dusty trophies behind you and yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, a lot of dusty trophies. How many dusty. you got? Huh? How many you got? Well, I mean, do you want to talk about racing or do you want to talk about archery? Because I've, I've been piling them I know up over the some, years. I know for a fact that there's some dusty workout equipment at your house. Dude, I've been there's pi- no sweat. There's no doubt about I've that. I've been piling trophies up since 96, buddy. 96. There was a bit of a gap solve. between 96 and 2019. I will have to admit there's a couple wins in there. 2019? What did you win in 2019? Greg, your life is so sad. Let's just uh... move on. How many got a golf, podcast. How many golf do you have? I got quite a few actually. No, I got a lot outside my club. All right. Yeah. Well, but we're we're in, unique, we're in a unique we're in a unique environment right now. So you now. got a 1996 Weir Championship and three archery. I have a few Weir Championships. A few. Yeah. Uh, do I have anything in between? Maybe just, just, just some volleyball who stuff. Who was second and third in those? Who was second and third in what? In your championship. Luke Yarbrough, man, are you listening? Luke Yarbrough was my was my main competition in Weir, man. Is he in your archery tournaments too? There you go. All right. So, what's the point we're proving here? Well, I think the point we're proving is is that we're in a unique environment. We just tell everybody where we, we are. We are at Chuckwalla, a place that we talk about all the time on our podcast. We're finally at Chuckwalla. Even better yet, we're in Kevin's garage. Kevin is the owner of Chuckwalla Valley Raceway, and he didn't have a good week in Pulp Fantasy Supercross this year. He struggled. He struggled. He's, he's on the struggle we, a lot, bus. A lot of us were on the struggle yeah, bus, though. We are all on the struggle bus this last week in fact it looked like everybody was but um you know that's okay he let us in his garage so that's nice and it's the first time we're actually doing this in front of a live studio audience let's hear it studio audience yeah the heckles are just ridiculous so we told them that they couldn't talk and they couldn't heckle us (laughs) otherwise this might be three hours long yeah it might be cole was actually in front of me your battle of the olds guy well, I mean, do we want to talk about the reason I'm out here at Chuckwalla Valley yeah. Raceway is because I am practicing for our upcoming race. David Culp is in the room, so I can't talk too much smack about him because <laughs> because I'm slow. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm just <laughs> slow, yeah. slow, slow. I think our expectations were a little outweighed here, do you think? That's a good term to use, maybe. Uh, huh? Huh? I mean, I mean, what did you expect coming here? What it, honestly, what I expected to be was faster than two minutes, just to shut you up, pretty two much. Two minutes, yeah. The over under on two minutes is the over's looking good. So, if you listen to the podcast for the first time, I'm going to be racing a guy named David Kolb at Chuckwalla Valley Raceway CVMA round in about what, maybe ten days, something like that. Not enough time. You I know. It. So I came out a few days early to get some track time. It's been peppered with some whatever. Anyway. It's been a great time. It's been a great time. Yeah. Jason, thank you for working with me today yeah. one-on-one. We worked on a lot of stuff. I shaved some time off, but I'm still a good solid 12 seconds per lap slower than David Kolb's oh, fastest good. lap ever. Shut up, Kolb. Stop laughing. <laughs> you're in your two-piece suit ripping around Chuck Wallace. Yeah, thank you, Alpine Stars, for mm-hmm. finding a suit for me. It's two-piece. and yes, Why is it two-piece? It's a long story, and I'm not really going to talk about it. But I do have to say... Thank you to the staff at Chuckwalla Valley Raceway for bailing me out because I pulled the ultimate track day squid move so ever. Great. Not only do I have a two-piece suit, but I ran out of gas. You got to work out session. in that two-piece suit today. Yeah, when I, I went I to go get you today, when I went to go get you today, yeah. I'm not, I, I got to be fair. I actually started giggling because when I got off the track to go find you in the desert, the sand was deep. And I'm thinking, this guy's not going to ride for the next two hours. This is a workout pushing that thing, was it? Yeah. No. Well, good thing is there's some construction going on outside that. And so there was an actual like road that was packed road. down. So I, yeah. Yeah. A little, was that was, easy. wasn't yeah. too but bad. But then they came out with a. Randy saved you. Randy saved me with a can of gas. From 619 yeah. Dragon. He literally went here, like yeah. 1, 1,000, 2, 1,003. That should get you back to the pits. Yeah. So, yeah. and no. it did. And then I it got was good. back out there. How's it so. feel to be back on a bike? Uh, it feels, um, uh, it feels good. The speed feels a lot faster than I Remember. thought it would feel. Haven't been on the track in what four years, and even at that, even if that you really go back really and look like... at it, it's probably more like six. I guess you know. When was the that... last time you were actually like on a track, just riding and having a good time? Like that—that that was probably whatever. where I wasn't working. Yeah, where well, you weren't doing any I work, just riding. Pretty sure it was six years, a little over six where years. Was that ago. at here? At here? With who? It was either here or it was at uh, what's that? 
garbage track that's in the middle of oh they're gonna love you for that no that's i'm joking great. i actually really too. like it blackhawk farms maybe that's oh, probably yeah. it on a ninja 300 no, so does that right. count you, you did have it right I, that, I remember when you were on that ninja 300 <laughs> yeah that was that's a long straightaway at blackhawk farms and you on a ninja it, 300. it took me I'll a long time to get from the final that corner to the first corner yeah it was pretty yeah. sad why were you on that all day who who penalized you for that oh I don't really want to talk about that. Some great people. They had a, two bikes, and they decided the 300 was, was it's my ride. Good, it's a good bike for you. Yeah. I think I passed one person in one corner all day, and then they put their hand in the air. So yeah. I don't really know <laughs> if they were good. coming in the pits. Yeah. Something That's along sweet. those lines. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, thing is, is we've had a pretty good week because we are out here for four straight days. We're SoCal Track Day, Saturday, Sunday, and then we got member Monday today. We're going to ride tomorrow. Bunch of friends out here. Um, got some friends come in as well. Obviously, our buddy Dougie came in from wisconsin and um so we've had a pretty good time all in this big lead up to you getting back on now what's the deal you're gonna do new racer school again i'm not doing new racer first of all what is new racer school you should be a new racer school why when was the last time you raced i commentate races all the time i know how the flagging system works doesn't mean yeah i know the flagging system works so look the bottom line is is that when the race starts and everybody lets their clutch out i just you're gonna still keep mine in you're gonna still be let everybody go to turn one and i'll be the third wave of the Formula 40 race. All on your own. The third All wave. Why not? Yeah. That way I'm safe. How's, how are you going to beat Cole if you're third wave? Have you given when up When he comes this? around to lap me, I'm just going to T-bone him. <laughs> Don't tell Cole I said that. That's actually pretty good. I think that's, that's about We're going to have to come up with some special plan. Yeah, that's the only hope I have. All right, listen. We do have a podcast yeah, here. We're going to talk let's about a lot it. of other stuff. So today we're going to start you off with uh, some news presented by Arai, which includes the Daytona 200 and a quick chat from our winner, World Superbike Test then into Supercross Arlington, Supercross Fantasy. MotoGP had a three-day Erta test, kind of. We'll talk about that. That was in Qatar. So why don't we get moving on what it is we have to do. Jason, here we go. It's news presented by Arai. Where everybody in this room is jamming out to this music, and I don't blame you. Hey, everybody. Have you tried a helmet on in a store and then rode it for a few hours to find that it was too tight? Or maybe you just put on a little weight and found the same thing. If you're in an Arai helmet, don't worry about it. Many Arai models come equipped with a removable foam layer on the cheek pads and the temple area. You can remove five millimeters at a time to get the perfect fit for your noodle. Go to AraiAmericas.com and check out more information. Arai Americas. Hey, Everybody's bopping their head over here. What? How many millimeters of foam have you removed so far this week? 0.0. 0. Really? Kind of so like, like the perfect fit. It was the perfect. It's, it's, yeah, it's a perfect fit. Uh, uh. All right, Jay. Let's get into the news, shall we? Yeah. Let's not talk about my... Uh, Your head? Yeah, the size of my noodle. Mm-hmm. All right. So let me get to the rundown as I... Have now instead of my huge screen like I normally have, I have this little laptop that I'm doing this on. But we'll kick things off with some news about World Superbike Test in Mizano on Monday. We're recording this Monday night. Toprak Razgatliaglu, that's how you say it, Jason, set the pace with Scott Redding and Michael Ruben Rinaldi P3, Axel Bassini on a Ducati in fourth, and Garrett Gerloff in fifth spot. Chaz Davis was scheduled for this test, but he actually tested positive for COVID 19. So Ducati Dust rider Michele Piro filled in for Chaz. He was 11th out of 11 in that one. Have you had a chance to talk to anyone about this or read about it or see anything? It's no, because like just today, track. normally we don't do our podcast till Tuesday or Wednesday, so I yeah. didn't really get a look at it. I did hear that Garrett fell off, so I was a little curious how many laps he did. Looked like he got a 34, 35 laps in, so it sounded like he crashed on a cold tire. Mazano's a pretty flat place. don't know exactly what the weather was like there either, but um, it's definitely a flat track, um, but I think... Garrett being in fifth, probably a pretty good showing so far for the year. Saw his Japanese teammate was a little bit further back, probably his first time there as well. So, um, and Chaz, I wonder how long they knew about Chaz before that, because wasn't Piro just in Qatar? Yeah, so I don't know how. He might have just flown straight back. Might have, yeah. My guess is they probably tested as they went to the test itself. Yeah. And then that's when he tested positive. There hasn't been anything from Chaz on social media that I found where he's made any comments about it yet. So hopefully he's going to be okay. Yeah. But that's also, you know, as Chaz switches, he's still on a factory equipment, but he changes teams and, you know, they needed to get together as his, his new team and start to gel and, and work together. So it's going to be a bit of a 
bit of a hit to his program. Yeah, but it's good that Piro's on his bike. I mean, it's still showing it that factory connection that he's got there with that team. So um, it's good that Piro's getting the shakedown on it. I don't know when they're on track next. Those guys don't race till May. I know they only got a certain amount of days. But I think, I believe that Chaz won't have any of those days taken away from him, even though Piro isn't test, is testing the bike. I mean, I hope not. Yeah, because, because Alex Lowe's is in the same situation oh, right now. He, oh, because he's hurt. Although yeah. there's nobody riding his bike, so I know he's been injured, and he told me that he's going to be able to still make up all the days that, even though the team's going testing, he's not going to get docked for that. So that'll be all right. Let's move on to some flat track news as the Progressive American Flat Track Series kicked off their season in the Mission Super Twins class presented by SNS, which is the premier class. They had that a couple races over the weekend. Brandon Robinson won that one over JD Beach by less than half a second. Our boy JD on that Yamaha almost got it done. So it was an Indian by Brandon Robinson and Jared Meese, your champ from a couple years ago, beats the number one plate prior Bauman for third spot on the podium. The second day of racing, it was Meese who dominated one by two seconds over Bauman. Sammy Halbert in third spot. J.D. Beach was back in ninth. And our boy James Rispoli, who moved up into the premier class, finishes 12th, 12th in the main events for him. Meese Jason leads the championship by a mere three points over Brandon Robinson. And Briar Bauman, your number one plate, is back adrift by about seven or so. So I know that we saw a little bit of of the second Didn't race. Didn't we used to go to Volusia and watch the races? Yeah, we did. The track yeah. looked, it was like after our races there on the weekend, right? Like Saturday night, super blue the track groove. Looked, yeah, super but it looked hard. so different to me than it did back then. It looked a lot darker. It just didn't didn't look like the same place. Probably is. It didn't look like the same place, but it looked impossible to pass. Like there was, you know, I watched the last ten laps, I think, in the main, and there was zero passing. It's difficult. It's really difficult in flat track when you get a blue groove like that, yeah. because if you have the right combination of tire and setup, you know, there's some riders that want to go try to find a cushion and roll around the outside if they don't have the setup, but it didn't look like there was much to work with there. Yeah. So yeah, it looked interesting. I well, mean, if you watch the race though, like the old Volusia, I remember was really rough and it, it was like, there was distinct straights. This one, I mean, they were just leaned over for nearly the whole lap yeah it was really i you know I, I don't know if it's the same place that i remember from when we used to go there but it was kind of a tough race to watch only because it just didn't look like uh like there was much chance to get by guys if you got behind them and just looked a little bit sketch yeah but for those guys you know i know after having jared Mees on the podcast many times he started off the season the way he really hoped he was going to be able to because he knows that there are more races coming down the pipe for him they're going to benefit even more. So a big win for me is trying to regain that number one plate. Congratulations to him. And uh, interesting though, Jason, in race number two, if you look at it, the top eight positions, all all Indians. I mean, and then you have the two Yamahas of Colby Carlisle and J.D. Beach and Rispoli, the lone Harley-Davidson in the mix. So should be an exciting year for American Flat Track without question. So Jason, let's move on to the race of races, the Daytona 200. And that race, it was Brandon Posh beating Sean Dillon Kelly to the line by what? Half a bike length. Tyler O'Hara beats Michael Barnes for third spot. Danny Eslick in the mix. Rocco Landers finishes sixth in his, would you say it's his 600 debut? Kinda, really? Yeah, he yeah. raced out here at Chuckwalla a couple months ago on an R6. Um, but definitely on that big of a stage, first time at Daytona and that kind of thing. I think did a nice job just getting the thing brought home. Yeah, so let's talk about that race win, though. For, you know, what did you see? There in the 200. Well, you know, I was teaching that day. So we, we had it on here and I got to see like the last eight laps of it. And I remember when I went out for one of my sessions, Brandon looked like they still had a pit stop left. When he came out, um, he was quite a way back. So I think he ran him down from like six seconds back, which is really unusual at that place. I thought SDK would have been kind of controlling it at that stage. So I didn't think there was any chance that Brandon could catch him. And then next thing you know, you could see it was getting five, four, three, two, one. And Brandon was probably getting a good run through traffic because we know how that place can be with, with that. And um, when he got to the back of him with four to go, he just sat there. And you know anybody that's been to Daytona and has watched that race a bunch of times, um, Brandon did the really smart thing. I mean, it's hard to be patient when you know you have pace. But he had a lot of pace. and uh, But at the end, he just stayed there and waited to the last lap and was able to draft past SDK, come to the line and, and beat him by that small margin that we're used to seeing. 
Well, we're on it for you here, and we're lucky enough to have the Daytona 200 winner, Brandon Posh, take some time for a quick interview. We're going to talk more in detail about Jason's point of view on the 200 after a couple things that we do with Brandon. So the first thing I said to Brandon was congratulations and all that stuff. Then I asked him about his race and how it went. Yeah, uh, honestly, it was a pretty crazy race. Off the, the first start there, we had a pretty big group, and everybody's just going back and forth. And I was kind of sitting there, fourth, fifth, sixth, just kind of biding my time and and just chilling really just trying to play it smart and not trying to waste any energy and and not waste my tires and stuff like that so um i was kind of just sitting back there and then unfortunately there was a red flag with kyle um good thing he's all right he ran into a lapper or on like lap 17 and we restarted it with 40 to go so we kind of did uh, a 20 and a 20 basically so we just split it right in half, and um, everybody pulled in on the same lap. And Sean got a really good pit stop, real clean pit stop. We kind of struggled a little bit getting the front wheel on the bike, and I lost a little bit of time there. I think six six or seven seconds on the pit stop we lost, and I kind of just made a decision in my mind, like, hey, I, I have to win. I have to catch him, or I'm going to crash trying. So, um I saw that I was actually gaining on him, and I was like, okay, don't try too hard. Just uh, kind of ride to my limit and, and don't stress about it. If it, if it kind of happens, it happens. And if for some reason that I, I can't catch up, I'm doing the absolute best that I can riding on the limit. So I kind of just had that mentality of I, I didn't want to lose. And I just kept seeing him get closer and closer and closer. And in my head, I was like, all right, I, I got this. I got this. <laughs> just kept telling myself I got this. And um, I think three laps to go, I kind of lined up exactly how I wanted to draft him and from how, how far back I could be and, and all that stuff. And going on to that last lap, I, I was waiting for, like, a fake out or something to, to have him make me go to the lead. And he never slowed down, never uh, never tried to play any games, just kept his head down and kept pushing. And I did the same and just uh, kind of timed the draft perfect to the line and just got him. <laughs> well, Jay, that kind of reminds me a bit of a story of a <laughs> Daytona race between you and a young kid named Ben Spees where you on the last lap came to almost a dead stop coming yeah. out of like onto the back straightaway. Uh, you know, as he talks about, you know, expecting him to Sean Dylan Kelly to start playing games with him. But the bottom line is, is that when you spot, you know, when Sean Dylan Kelly gets six or seven seconds lead on everyone else. Do you think that he was able to do the right things? I mean, how does Brandon Posh reel Sean Dillon Kelly It's really interesting because it's either too conservative through traffic, and there was a lot of that um, in the race. But with six seconds, you would think that SDK probably would have brought that home. I know Brandon was running really good lap times. Um, Maybe SDK was playing a little bit conservative, didn't want to burn up a tire, wanted to have tire left at the end in case he had the draft at the end. Um, but when you've got that big a lead, I think it's important that he gets himself and he pushes as hard as he could and try to keep that lead the best that he can. And, um, you know, but Brandon, Brandon just did a really nice job and it's exciting. You know, when you know that you're catching the guy in front of you and at Daytona, you have a lot of options and a lot of places where you can look up the track and see when you come off that turn two banking and you head down the back straightaway and you might see the leader going in the chicane, you might be going into it and they might be coming out of it. And when you see that gap starting to close, um, it's really easy to, you know, get over anxious or get overly excited. Brandon didn't do that. He kept his cool. And, um, all it takes really is a couple of, um, it just takes a couple of bad runs through traffic and you can be, you know, in a, in a bad spot. So I, I was really, I was kind of expecting the same thing Brandon is cause you know, SDK is getting, you know, signs saying plus six, plus five, plus four. And when that's coming down, he had to be probably scrambling in his head of what can I do different? Um, he never looked back, but I saw. I never really looked for any real options of letting Brandon go through. There was no games. He just kept his head down the whole time, and that probably caught Brandon off guard a little bit too. Yeah, I would think so. And at that point, you know, you have to wonder what was going through Sean Dillon Kelly's mind. You know, because obviously it's the last stint. You're getting close to the end of the tire wear. Possibly, did he use all of it? It's really hard to say because, unlike Moto America or Moto GP or World Superbike, the Daytona 200 is now unique in that there's a tire wear. You know, and Brandon Posh was on was on Pirelli's versus Dunlop. So there was a lot of that on the line as well. So, uh, you know, when I talked to Brandon also, I said, you know, the Daytona, Daytona 200 is a great weight race win, obviously. I mean, you get your name on a plaque, you go down in history, but it's also a good payday, isn't it? 
that's a good payday doing the Daytona 200. I got this nice new Rolex that uh, needs to get resized to fit my skinny wrist, but um, that thing's pretty pretty badass, and uh, I'll hold on to that thing forever. Somebody offered me sixty grand for it yesterday, and I told him no. So <laughs> I'm just gonna gonna put that thing in my room, and then uh, I got a nice little five thousand dollar bonus from Pirelli for winning the race. Pretty pretty stoked on that, and then uh, bonus from from CCS it's twenty five thousand dollars to win and uh honestly I'm I'm not gonna do a whole lot with the with the part that I'm keeping but half of it is going to Lloyd Bailey's family who uh he unfortunately lost his life uh, a couple months back racing uh in a in a club race at Homestead. That's pretty cool, huh? Yeah, no, it's great. And, and you know it's good for Brandon because did you were you the one who offered him sixty grand for that watch? Yeah, I offered him sixty grand. Yeah. I'm surprised, you know, Brandon before the race would have probably taken five thousand for anything, you know. So now yeah. he's got some money in his pocket. He's got a new watch that somebody's gonna try to chop his hand off probably to get. Uh but you know, at the end of the day, it's nice to see him get a win because the kid's a grinder. We've seen him bounce around. I think I'm just as happy for TSE, to be honest. I mean, the the group out of Wisconsin. Um, I've had some ties with them in the past, and and I know Scotty obviously and, and Megan, and you know they've they've busted their asses for a lot of years to get a result. They've helped a lot of different people within the paddocks, and um, for them to win, I know this was a big race for them because they've been wanting to go down there and win, and they've stayed pretty true to Brandon over the last two or three years of him trying. And um, I, I'm sure there was some some good partying going on on Sunday night, but for Brandon, I think it's a good way for him, you know, to uh, to. To, that might be his only race in America this year. I don't know that for a fact, but uh, now you know he's heading overseas, back over to England and BSB in the Super Sport Championship over there. So uh, you know, not a bad way to start your year and get a victory at Daytona is always something pretty special. Now I did see a press release on RoadRacingWorld.com today that said that the British Superbike Series has been pushed back. Their calendars have been pushed back. So now the first round is at Alton Park, June 25th through the 27th. And the reason I say that obviously is because for for Brandon Posh. You know, he is set to go back to BSB and race the Triumph 675 on the factory bike. So, you know, at the time when I spoke to him yesterday, before I understood that the BSB season had been pushed back, I did ask him, you know, I was wondering, like, what was going on with his season and if he feels like he can keep this momentum going. We were originally supposed to test on April 3rd and 4th, and now it, it got pushed back to April 13th, 14th, I think or something like that so it got pushed back like an extra week and um other than that everything else is still on schedule and sounds like they're gonna open up over there around may time and we should be good to go by the time the season starts we uh we just do some testing in april and then start racing in may so um everything's looking good i I got my confidence back and really happy obviously with the result from the weekend and i just want to keep that momentum all through the season and uh try and bring home another another title or at least a, a couple good results throughout the year all right so what we're seeing now is actually uh looks like testing has been pushed back now to april 28th 29th and then they go a couple may so the, again the beginning of the season starts in june late june and it'll go all the way through mid-october so there might be an opportunity for brandon to race maybe in the states it's really yeah, hard to say because over here yeah maybe what i mean obviously it's gonna like yeah, over there the contract with triumph and all that stuff yeah. it's gonna be hard to determine but I mean, Jason, you know, you've been in this position before with, you know, Brandon, he had a, he had what he deems as a bit of a rough year, you know, in Moto America last season. So to get that Daytona 200 win to go down in history and all that kind of stuff, do you think really winning now and carrying it all the way to June or he's going to have to do some other things? Yeah, he'll definitely have to race other places. I think who he beat is probably more important than the actual win itself. I mean, the fact that he was able to, you know, come back and beat SDK. SDK was arguably probably the favorite along with Kyle Wyman, you know, um, who'd won it before as well. He had a mess up, uh, like, he, like you heard Brandon say on the 17th lap, but the fact that he ran um, SDK down, I think surprised a lot of people. And it was probably a nice little feeling for him to be up on the podium and, and win that race. Um, and then moving forward, you know, the guy, if you follow him on social media, he's active every day. He's on something. He's on, you know, he's on a, a super motor bike all of the time. Um, so he's going to stay active, but nothing really compares to actually being on a bike and racing. And, you know, we've got Atlanta, we got VIR, I think even that he might be able to do if, if it's possible for him to do. Um, but he's just been a kid that, 
you know, he doesn't come from, from big money. So he's, he's always hustling, trying to figure out rides and way to get on a bike. And he's got a couple people in this corner that have helped him. And, um, you know, this can only help him with that. So we'll see how that ends up for him. Yeah. Well, good luck to him. I know he's got more money in his pocket to possibly go racing. So we'll see if he's able to do any there. So there's uh, your wrap up of the Daytona 200 and your news presented by Arai. You know, I wanted to talk a little bit about the 200, Greg, because, you know, they've done a good job of keeping that race alive. And you don't, I, I know I'm going to probably piss off every club racer in the world, but that race, the prominence that it had compared to where it is now. Um, the thing that struck me in that race is you got world-class guys like Brandon and, and SDK. And, I mean, look at Michael Barnes. I mean, he's, a, he's my age and still able to run up at the front with those guys. Tyler O'Hara. There's a number of guys, Kyle Wyman, that we can sit here and talk about. But the thing that still is and it's always kind of been a problem and it's like what can we do to make that race what can be done to make that race a little bit better there's guys literally going 15 seconds a lap slower at, at the end of those races you know i think a lot of it is how many guys do we need on the track at one time how many guys do we need to see you know you look at the results and you know i think that something should be done or something should be said as far as you know you look at the lap times a lot of these guys do as their best lap times most of their averages are three four five seconds off of their best and, you know, when you see, did you watch the last six or seven laps that race? I did see the last seven laps. It yeah. was like a carve show. It was like just yeah. like carving people up. And it's, well, I actually heard they were into lappers by lap, lap five. five. Yeah. And that's nothing new though. I mean, we've seen that at Daytona before, but it's great seeing Daytona and CCS specifically keeping that race alive and keeping it going. But I think that to make it more prominent, to make it, to make it get a little bit of what it used to have back, it's going to take not only big teams to want to get involved, but you know, there's a lot of guys that do that race. They do one race a year. And I'm not talking about the Michael Barnes and, and some of those guys that are seasoned. Um, you know, you in, in, in just about every race around the world, like we used to go to Suzuka and there'd be 60 bikes on the grid and about literally 25 good teams. And it's, it's a dodge fest the whole time. It's, it's, it's a scary proposition when you get two, three hours into that race. When you're doing 57 laps at Daytona and the speed discrepancies that we see, there's always going to be a lot of close calls and that kind of thing. But I think if there was a way that to try to get some of the top riders back, they're going to have to do some changes where it be whether it be qualifying or whatever. Having 55 riders on the grid is is okay, I guess. But the problem is the quality of the field is just you know from say 20th back, 25th back, it gets a little bit gnarly. When you're getting lapped in five laps, it just seems a little bit much to me and as i watched the end of that race i just feel like now now might be a good time to start making some changes to it and seeing you know what what we could do to make it like maybe a little bit safer you still think it should be middleweight sport bikes though right not thousands or do you think it should go back to super bike no super bikes just outgrew that place to be honest yeah and i saw a little bit of what they did this year in nascar where they had uh they you know they're trying to reinvent nascar now those guys are running you know the infield course as well they created a new chicane before um they created a new chicane before the trioval also and i don't you know i just don't think it would work for bikes um last time we were there riding super bikes it was over 200 mile an hour guys were doing 200 yeah. plus so not only that but you actually had super bikes where there was a discrepancy from front wheel speed to rear wheel speed yep that was that was somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 20 miles per hour yeah so rear wheels are spinning even with traction control they're on the banking spinning 20 mile an hour faster than the front wheel so yeah that's that's a lot of abuse on a tire yeah. i think you, a, you stick with middle the tire, bikes, but the, the, the companies the tire companies themselves are like they're scared i mean i would be scared too i mean you remember when we were going there and tires were starting to explode and it's just like yeah, it's 100 you know, well actually you know what's interesting is posh told me that right after the race pirelli came to him and they started already talking about what he needs to improve that pirelli tire yep. for the daytona 200 and i spoke with dunlop after as well and they're looking into the same situation so the 200 it, to me is is when i was younger i could hardly wait to get there yeah. I could hardly wait to get there. And I came through at a time when thousands were the thing and 750 superbikes were the thing. And it became a place where it was just scary. So, I, I mean, I look up to all these guys. You think of all the great champions like Miguel and, and Nikki. And, you, you know, you look back at, at some of the people that have won there. Um, Scott Russell, obviously. Well, it, you know, what was, was, what was interesting, and I, I hate to step on you, but what was interesting yep. is that apparently NASCAR had sent out basically an email alert to their fan base mm-hmm. saying like tune into the Daytona 200 it's on yeah. you know NBC, well, it was on NBC Gold Pass or whatever year, right so it was great and so you know really from everything that I've heard about Daytona this year because obviously we weren't there 
it was massively popular. And you have to think love that it. the fact after COVID, people want to get out. They want to, you know, go experience some other people, whatever. So the whole Daytona was getting pretty big. But I think that's part of it. If they can kind of get that prestige back and get more people interested. Yeah. And then obviously the purse, you know, it drives. The purse is great. I mean, they purse got a purse there. And yeah. so you, you have to start looking again. If there's a way we can get the quality of the field up and get our best people there, it would be amazing. Um, you know, and, and arguably, we didn't get to see it, but arguably the best racing of the year is the first 20-something laps of that race before the pit stop. Mm-hmm. Every year we go to Daytona, you're going to have eight, nine, ten guys, and then the pit stop happens, and then it's just from that point, it's who can get in and out of the pits. puts a lot of pressure on your crew, which is great. I mean, um, a team like M4 have been around endurance for a million years have a lot of knowledge about how to get guys in and out you heard brandon say they had a little problem with his with his front tire we've seen you know fuel spilt on riders and all kinds of things because we just don't get to see pit stops anymore right so um i love what the 200 kind of represents because it's different and there's and it has the ability to have some really tight racing but but watching it towards the end it's just that that level that we're seeing out there and a lot of those guys are going to stick around and race in the club race on club races on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So when I sat there and I looked at the qualifying times and I was looking at what was going on, it looked like there was 55 guys that qualified and there's a big discrepancy. There's 14, 15 seconds between fastest and slowest. So, and you've got to remember that most of the guys that are hanging it out for their qualifying lap, there's going to be some guys there that, that have problems during qualifying and they're going to, they're going to find the pace. But some of these guys, that's the fastest they're going to go all weekend. So their race pace is going to be even two to three seconds off what they qualified at or more. So especially over time, a lot of guys aren't aren't fit enough to do 57 laps. So, you know, I think that there's some things that they could possibly do to change, but we'll see how it goes. But congratulations to Brandon Posh. Love seeing him win. It was a big win for him. Let's switch topics, Greg. Arlington. Supercross was back. We got another race tomorrow night. Like Greg said, we're, we're taping this or we're doing this on Monday. Um, and when you start looking at the results of this last week, it's one guy. He's starting to do it, Greg. Coop, oh my God. Yeah, Cooper Webb. Yeah. He's starting to take control of this championship. Um, watching the race this weekend really made you even feel more like he's ready to win another championship. Roxon, the last couple of races, hasn't been his normal self. Uh, he ends up sixth in this race. And really, I think the inability of him not being able to go forward in that race as well as Eli Tomac, that could be a track thing as well. I mean, we've heard these guys talk a lot about the tracks this year and how they're not uh, conducive to a lot of passing, but Barsha ends up second, Jason Anderson, third chase Sexton comes back after his Daytona race for his second round back. He ends up fourth Plessinger rocks. And like I say, Savachi ends up great, right? For him, seventh Tomac early leader, leader, Dean Wilson and uh, Martin Davalos round out the top 10. I mean, doesn't it just kind of feel like Cooper's doing this thing right now where he could rack up a few more wins and get some a, a points gap going into the last few rounds. It, it does a hundred percent. I mean, it just, if you spot him, if you spot him a race lead, who's going to chase him down at this point and challenge him? I mean, Coop has been so good late stages of the race. Now you're saying with a good start, like he had a good qualifying position, good start. Hey, Cooper here, you don't have to expend as much energy as you need to in the first half of races anymore to chase down the leaders and then challenge for the lead. Just go have it. So I, if he I'm the, scared by anybody, like well, no, no, he's no one, not, he's, he's not, he's ready to just go. And you know, Roxon just, he never really was able to get going forward. And um, we've seen two good rides now from Aaron Plessinger following up his podium at Daytona. He ends up fifth here. So when you look at the points right now, Cooper Webb's at 223, 216 to Roxon. And really, unless something happens to, to Webb now, I think Tomac, um, he's going to have to put on a pretty big charge. Uh, he said at Daytona, that was kind of the race that he thought he was going to have to turn things around, and he did. But he ends up coming back this weekend and ended up ninth. In the 250s, Seth Hamaker gets his first victory for Pro Circuit Kawasaki rookie um, out of Temecula. So he goes out, gets his first win over Hunter Lawrence. Cameron McAdoo, Daytona winner, ends up third. Justin Cooper uh, ends up fourth with Marchbank, Swole, Robertson, who was on the podium as well at Daytona. Mitchell Harrison, uh, Chris Blos, and Nate Thrasher rounded out the top 10. McAdoo's still going to be leading the points 70 to 64. And really, after the first round of this series of the West Coast, it looked like Cooper Webb or Justin Cooper was just going to be the class of the field. And uh, now two different – we've had three different winners in three races. Mm-hmm. Um, a rookie's come out and win, and Seth Hamaker looked dominant doing it, didn't look phased by any of it. So 
I mean, how, the the system to produce the quality of riders, you know, it's coming out of the Reddle Lynn series and these sponsors looking at, you know, the amateur nationals and just grabbing this talent early and cultivating it is, is really impressive to watch. It's not just hammock or speed. It's, it's like you're saying how he handled the yeah. lead. Yeah. It didn't look like he was really bothered by it. It didn't look like he got tight. Didn't look like anything. It almost looked like it was just another day to ride. And, and it was impressive. And he also, he had some help from some people behind him. I mean, there was a lot of carnage, but that's really what you've got to do. You got to get out front and super cross and set yeah. the pace like Cooper Webb has done and really dictate what everybody else is doing. Cause if they're just chasing you down. So, you know, and what was really interesting, if you watched the show, did you see, you know, how McGrath, did you see the McGrath thing that we, he was with Hamaker and they were talking about, he was out of the test track. Yeah. Science Kawasaki. And he was out the test track with him and he was kind of giving them some pointers of, you know, outside the inside lines through the whoops. And he, he basically shaved six tenths off of his time. And there was like five or six mile an hour in speed. It's like when you have somebody like that in your corner, kind of helping you along. And then of course he goes out and wins. So that was a, that was, <laughs> you know, that was a great little segue into that race for those guys. It's a tough one though, after all those years and you're trying to thank everybody, you know, who's helped you along the way. Yeah. And he was, that's the one thing I really love about watching rookies win races is, is trying to manipulate that post-race, you know, interview oh, i've got to get up because they're so excited about it you know but i think we're going to see a lot more of hammaker in in races coming up for sure which leads us into my favorite hold on, topic hold on hold no on, hold what? on just hold on a second hold on what dougie are we keeping you awake over here yeah yeah we right, literally have someone here in our yeah. live lucky. studio audience who's passed out <laughs> i mean what he's a passed out he slept what an absolute bell end you know here's the thing about him right he's so lucky because i can see kevin dave doing something i look over and he's like like drooling on himself He's so lucky the water bottle I had didn't have water. Oh, yeah, it was, yeah. Oh, man, if Kevin could have right just got me nose. a water just a little bit sooner. Yeah. It would have just livened the show up a little bit more. Glad you yeah. flew out from Milwaukee. Really glad you're here, you jet lagged. You. It's 8 o'clock at night east. Making those tacos. Or 8 o'clock at night really, west. Really, really hard today, huh? Poor guy. Oh, well. All let's right, so let's, now that the Doug situation has let's been handled, yeah. as we have the bouncer escorting him out of the building, Let's talk about my favorite topic, one that I, I never, never not want to talk about because it's just, it, it warms my heart. I love Pulp MX Fantasy. You so did okay ahead. this week. <laughs> well, in our little side, side action side that we have going okay. on with the Axlins, as we call them. Uncle Skip. Chuck and Uncle Skip. Yep. And you, I won. You did. Anyway, PulpMXFantasy.com slash Greg's Garage Podcast. We have a little league going on. And after this week, Poncho leads the way over Hucklebuck Racing. That gap is what, Jay? It's 2,335 it's to, to, yeah, 2,289. Yeah, it's like 46 points now all of a sudden. Yeah. And Schobert 126, or Schobert 26. What happened? Didn't get in. Oh. Was missed. leading, didn't mm. get in. But the big mover, Nick Siling. Our, my boy Nick. He's up yeah. to 13th. He's going to love that I just mentioned that. And Dougie's ears propped up over here now because he's ahead of me by a point. Oh, is that right? Oh, oh yeah. He, he's all of a sudden. Sucks. Yeah, now let he's me like, guess. Oh, he's yeah, VR one forty six. Right, he's up yeah. doing jumping jacks, and uh, oh, mass holes in thirty fourth. There's more mass holes, by the way. Kev, what's going up. on with you? Yeah. Kev, what is happening? We are on a bad spiraling. It's going bad right now. It's not going good. He's thirty second. I'm twenty six. Mikey Gilbert's still holding strong. Whatever. I don't even know how he's doing it. I think he's cheating. At this point, I would take a two minute flat, and I would take page two, page one. You know what I mean, Greg? As I'm sitting back in in seventieth, by the way, now behind mini seventieth by mini mass hole. It goes back to seventy. We have more mass holes. We have mass holes favorite. We have mini mass hole. We have normal mass. There's mass holes all over this thing now. <laughs> There's a bunch of mass. Holes. There's a bunch of mass holes. That's great. And there are, by the way, a bunch of mass holes. Yeah, but it's it's been it's you know as always it's always fun. It's always fun like uh, being a part of this thing and. Greg, it's a good thing we don't have 70 or 80 that are riding on the track with us, huh? What do you mean? The podcast, I mean, the pulp thing, you're 70th, right? Hey, I wouldn't go out. There's there were that many people on track. I Formula just sit 40, and watch. I think Formula 40 in a couple of weeks doesn't have that many, so you're in luck. So we know we can not We we can do better than 70th. Yeah, so, well. Anyways. I've got to figure out what I'm more concerned about on that, whether it's it's the middleweight the formula 40 middleweight class or the formula 40 ultra lightweight class, because we got some tips from some people here about the race start because we're, we're racing on track against Harley Davidson's and we were told like, Hey, let them go until they get to turn three because they get off like a rocket 
and then they hit the brakes and can't get it stopped. So if you try to sneak up the inside by turn two, it could be disastrous. Did you hear that, Cole? Well, now you know. Cole will run from that. Trust me. He, he doesn't want any part of the 400s. He'll start it in second gear. And we should, say, you know oh, what we need to do? Clutch. We need to do an East Coast Battle of the Olds for you. That's the only hope you have. Don't worry about it. That we take Cole to some place he's never been. And you better hope Jeff White doesn't hear this, because if he hears this, I'm going to get him out here on a 600, and then you're, you might never see you again. Who is Jeff White? All right. Anyway, if you want to join us on Pulp MX Fantasy, go check us out. You can join. We're going to be giving away some Moto America Live Plus app codes so you can watch that stuff all year long for free. Uh, also, the winner of this thing, which you're not eligible for if you're not in it right now, but the winner gets an Arai helmet of their choice. And we might dig up some other stuff like maybe, I don't know, a free garage at Chuckwalla Valley Raceway yeah. plus a membership. I mean, we don't know yet. We're going to dig into that a little deeper. It's free really bikes in to garage, too. Free bikes. There's yeah. some good ones. Yeah, There's yeah. some good ones. Exactly. Yeah. Doug no, is going to give away his Valentino Rossi suit. Oh I heard in a giveaway. You can't believe he wears that thing. It like actually, he wears that thing out. It's like a Halloween costume. Like yeah, he, I know. Like yeah. it's like one of those things that you bring out once a year. No, yeah. Dougie brings it out every single race weekend in every Wisconsin. Race. It's yeah, huh? It's cute yeah. though, Dougie. It looks really good on Anybody you. Anybody who works at an airline knows when Dougie's flying. That's <laughs> oh, for sure. Oh man, the don't Valentino they? Rossi bright orange or yellow bags, everything. there's going to be a good video that's going to be posted this week. Dougie surprised us all. He came disguised. He did. Yeah. Wait. Oh boy. In a shirt that was about four sizes. Hey, by the way, if you're listening to this, make sure you go to any place that you're listening to this and subscribe to our podcast as I never, ever tell people to do that, but you should be subscribing. So you get to hear this every single week when we post most weeks. And uh, so do that on Apple pod or, if you're listening to this, but you also like to listen to Pandora Radio, you can go to Pandora Podcast. And Greg's Garage Power Code, Jason Primore, is now available on Pandora Podcast. We're very happy about that because we had to be approved. Did we? So, yeah. So they did send me a letter and they did say this Jason Pridmore guy really makes fun of this Greg White guy. And it, but it's just above the line. Is it? It's just above the line and we got in. Oh, that's all right. Yeah, it's it's good. I, I think I'm easy on you. I spent all day with you today. And I, I think I was pretty good. I was easy on you, was I not today? All right. You want to move on to the Was next I topic? not? <laughs> was I not? I thought I was pretty easy on you today. Yeah, you were you were gentle. You were I was. Gentle. No, it was fine. I was sincere. No, I know. And hey, I, Greg took, can actually ride. For those that don't know, Greg can actually ride. His problems are bigger than riding. 118 episodes and now all of a sudden you're changing your tune. No, I've said you could ride. I said you ride better now than when you so had called a career, whatever that. I did 6 years ago. That really wasn't a career. And it was just move forward to people that had careers. Did you and, watch the and Doha? are having careers it's still still having careers? Did you watch any of the the Doha test? Dude, I never missed it. You, you know what, me? Greg? You talked me into something last week, and and I'm very proud that you did that. Okay, yeah, because oh, Greg was yeah, texting yeah. me in the mornings. He's like, "Are you watching this?" I'm like, "Ah, is it?" You know, they have video. I never understood how I'm paying for as cheap as it is. I think it's amazing. The MotoGP. It's stuff a smoking deal. It's yeah, MotoGP.com. In fact, it went through today on my credit card. I saw. That, that my, you know, it just goes through every year. But I went ahead and bought the timing part of it too. And the stuff you get from the timing side of MotoGP is insane. Like, it's not just sectors and that kind of thing. There's a lot of other little different information. And some of the stuff I was poking around down at and looking at. And when you look at it, these guys went down for their final. We, we, we had them uh, last week talking about some of the results. And then they went out for another three-day test. The third day, unfortunately, got kind of blown away a bit. Jack Miller ends up going 53-1 to lead the test overall, and I think that that sets pretty well for him. Vinales, Quattararo, Morbidelli. We had three Yamahas just follow, you know, right in order. Um, that looked obviously very promising for them. Rossi back in 11th, it's breaking Dougie's heart. Uh, and Brooke, wherever Brooke is, if she's in here, she's probably sleeping. But and that's that's where you should be, Dougie. She, she is at least not smart enough not to do it right in front of us. Uh, uh, <laughs> Bagnaya, Alicia Spargo, Juan Mir, Alex Rins, Zarco, and Paula Spargo, 10th um, overall after two days. I mean, what when you look at this right now, what are you pulling away from it? Well, I mean, all the glory goes to Miller, right, at yeah. this point, because he goes 53-183, which is the all-time lap record. I thought it was unofficial, but looking at this official test timesheet, so the way it works is pole position record was Maverick Vinales in 2019 at a 153.5. The all-time record now is Jack Miller setting a test at a 53.1. And the best race lap record is Jorge Lorenzo in 2016 at a 
So what's interesting, Jason, is there hasn't been a ton of development done in the in the bits and bobs that you really want to be developed, right? Like motors and things like that. But Ducati was really playing around with a lot of aero. And the one of the things that Ducati's really focused on right now is tire conservation. How do yep. we get this tire to last longer? So they're working on that. It seems like better or more focused than any other team. But one of the other things they were focused on is their aero package. How do we create downforce without sacrificing top speed? And so not only did Jack Miller break the all-time track record at Doha, but also the outright top speed record, I believe 222 yeah, miles amazing. per hour was broken by Ducati as well. With Zarco, right? With Zarco. And yep. all that is 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 good. But it was that it was Chris Pike. So it's Chris underscore Pike underscore on Twitter. He crunches all this information and he came out with it. And basically, if you really look at taking out the junk laps, yep. so the laps where they're cruising, the laps where they're in and out. Out laps and laps. Yeah. That I kind mean, of thing. Yamaha looks really strong because they really lead the way with Vinales, Quadraro and Morbidelli. And so the thing that you and I were talking about, you know, we're t- kind of texting back and forth was that's really impressive. But in a test, it's not a race. The question becomes, can Yamaha pass somebody? And that's the big thing. You know, if it's it's a it's a track that it's a very, very flowing place. Um, if they can get out front and they can get away or if they can get out front and not get eight up down the straightaway. I mean, obviously, with the speed that Zarco shows, you know, um, the Ducatis are always good at that place. I think the Honda is going to be good, too. I think Paul Spargro um, kind of quietly reading some of the stuff that he has said and he looked really good on the bike, and I think it's a bike that's going to gel really well for him. He didn't do a lap time on the second day. He, he did his fastest lap on the first of these three-day tests, and, of course, they didn't get to do the third day. So I'm even looking back at him, and he might even be a little bit of a dark horse for me this year because nobody's really talking about him very much. But, again, the Yamaha's proved fast in testing, but we've seen this so many times before where where they've been fast in testing, but then they just can't get it kind of consistently right in the races. Um Rossi was still complaining about not enough grip, not enough acceleration. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's just it. What are we like a week and a half away from the first round now? Yeah, or we're like, getting pretty close. Yeah, like 12 days away. So we'll see when the lights go on there in a couple of weeks. Um, I think, again, you know, you look at you know, Bagnaia, I think running fifth, that's promising for them. So the two Ducatis that, that Ducati would love to see do well are up there in the top five. So uh, Mir and Rins on the Suzuki's just seemed consistent. They both ran around the exact same lap times that they did. Um, when you look at the rookies, Jorge Martin was quickest over Bastianini um, as they came through um, with Marini back there in 21st. So I think uh, MotoGP is going to be interesting again this year. But my big question to you, I think when you look at these results and you see all the names on there is, you know, Marquez is coming back. He's going to be there. I think I feel like he's going to be there. He's already there. Did well, you, yeah, but did I'm, you see but some I'm, of that news where, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying he's going to be there for the race. Obviously, yeah. there's been a lot of social media posts on him. He's been at go kart tracks. He's been, you know, um, what happens if he just comes and smokes all these guys out right out the shoot? Well, that is the question, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, because the question becomes if he comes out and smokes everybody without having to done any of the doing, doing any of these tests and being off a bike for essentially a year, psychological. Lee, it's a beating for every other every other rider in the paddock. So when you look at when you look at these names, who is the one that you think, or who are the guys that you think will be less intimidated? Like who's your guy that you think is going to just put the gloves on and, and would go to battle with him right now? And well, I don't think Jack Miller cares. I who, couldn't who, agree with who you more. Mark Marquez is. Yep, I think he just. I really think that Miller will be the guy that will will step up in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, Rossi had a better test. I mean, he worked his way up to P11, like overall. And Rossi's a guy, I think, that if he could figure things out, which he indicated that from those first two days to the to those last three or really two days, because as Jason indicated, day three of the Erta test, it, only five riders went out because it was windy. It was absolutely a disaster. So if you look at those days, Rossi was getting better. He, he said there's really positive things down the line if he feels better. But Rossi has that mentality. I just don't know if he's got the outright speed any longer to do it. I just don't know. I, you know, when you say he's got the mentality, I think he's got the mentality. But I think over the years when he was winning as much as he was, he had to deflect a couple people at a time. And now he's just got so many guys that are younger than him that 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 I just don't think care about it as much anymore. And you, Yeah, I agree. You know, when you look at stuff and you look at the guys, um, you know, you look at like Quattararo, um, Morbidelli. I mean, you just look at some of the guys right now. 
there's a lot more people that he's got to deal with than just one or two guys. Um, but when you see people get put on the spot about Rossi, nobody's really willing to count him out. They all, I think, I think everybody would like to see him win. Wouldn't they Dougie? Wouldn't they? They'd love to see, <laughs> love to see your boyfriend win, wouldn't they? Yeah. All right. So, so, uh, and I'm, and I'm the same. I mean, like he would literally, how, how, how if Rossi, Rossi wins fan, a race, you know? he'll literally take his gear bag and polish it, even though it's made of cloth, right? Like his socks, his underpants, his Dougie leathers, no his helmet. He's got it all. He's got it all. He he's, has he's, all he's, he's a Rossi he fan. Legitimately so Valentino, if you're listening to this, Doug's in Milwaukee. Go look him up. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to look very far. Yeah. I think that on the top of his house is a big glowing big 46. 46. There's yeah. no question. Um, no, but I mean, I think that when you look at it, he's just got so many more guys he's got to contend with now that it's not just one or two. And I think that just makes it really hard for him. So, um, you know, Miller's the one guy I agree with you on, though, that just doesn't care. And if you look at, like, every day when he was talking and interviewed Miller, he just had a smile on his face. Like, there was even something more there than what they were just showing on the timesheets. I mean, obviously, the team was really pumped on that first day of the Urta test, and he comes in after a 53-1 and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, the thing is, Jay, and I've said this before on the podcast, you know, I cannot help but think about, when I look at the Yamahas, one of those early races that I saw back all the way back, I think it was 97. It was formerly USA back then run what you brung. And it was, it was Fritz Kling on a Yama monster 1000 against rich Oliver on a two fifty GP bike at road Atlanta. And those two finished within millimeters of each other with Fritz Kling winning, winning. But I think had you put, have you flip flopped that track? And you had said that, you know, that long back straightaway is now the straightaway between turns three and turns Correct. five or whatever, that it would have been a different story. Could have been. And, and there the was a lot of battles is, back in those days. Right. But Rich Oliver had to pass Fritz into turn one and use at Road Atlanta, two, three, four, all the way through the S's and had quite a gap on Fritz coming out of the final corner. That 1000 was just fast enough to really reel him in the Yama and, and give him the Yama monster. And that gotcha. was back in the yeah. gravity cavity days. Right. But I mean, you look at that bike and, and, and that thing and it just. It, that's what it reminds me of. The problem is with Yamaha at this point versus now you have to look at pretty fast bikes and Honda, obviously Ducati. And now I would, I'm going to lump a pretty in there in terms of top speed because they were running some pretty decent top speeds as well. It's not just one versus, you know, it's not just a one V one. It's now, you know, a Yamaha bike versus an entire field that they have to pass. Yep. And I mean, you're going to have to really snatch the brakes late if you're going to get around a Ducati at Qatar with the top speeds that they have on that front straightaway. Yeah, but that's my concern. It remains Yamaha is a little quicker than it's been, but it remains the same with Yamaha. It's like, yeah, if you can qualify well and you can get out to a clean start, I think a Yamaha can win at Qatar. Yeah. No, I and and that's been proven before. I right. mean, it has been proven, and you know, um, but I, I agree. You got to get out to a good start. You got to get out early um and and try to get away from some of the other guys but we always have good races at the opening round and i think that to end kind of this thing you got to think the biggest disappointment of this is ktm i mean yeah where is ktm like they go and the last race of the year with Oliveira, he goes out and smokes everybody at, at portimao yeah it's a home race and this and that i mean these guys go there they're 16th 17th Oliveira, bender are 16th and 17th um petrucci's just behind them in 19th and then you got Lekawona in 23rd and Pedrosa 24th. Um, not sure, you know, maybe they didn't play all their hand. We know the KTM's fast. Not sure what their biggest problems were. But you've got to think that right now um, that's got to be the biggest disappointment. And the other thing, too, is you got Salvadori now. It doesn't look like Bradley Smith's going to have anything to do with that, Aprilia. Yeah. He's been doing a lot of social media posts where he's been on Yamahas and he's starting up a, a junior team. I actually had a little bit of a chat with him at uh just through text message um about some junior team stuff that he's doing over in spain um so you know again alicia spargo is kind of going in alone on the aprilia it looks good at this test i don't know how good it's going to be for the whole year this is just one test and it's just one track and these guys have got six days under their belt or five days before so, we get off this topic yeah. though, i've got to ask you about seventh and eighth place yep Team Suzuki X-Star, Juan Mir, your world champion, seventh, and Rins in eighth place. The teammates close together, you know, an indication of maybe where the bike is. Now, with that said, Suzuki hasn't really shown last year that they were any time attack machine either. I was going to say, what's their biggest deficit last year was qualifying. A lot of times, that's what we always heard was qualifying has got to be done better. Got to get our guys up front more. Race pace has never been an issue. And second half of the race issue has never been a problem for Suzuki. They've been able to seem like they keep their tires underneath them pretty well, and the pace of Mir and Rins at the end of races is never in question. So, if they get themselves up in those first, you know, 
two or three spots right off the bat, that's going to be a key thing. Um, but, you know, again, these guys are testing. We don't really know what the teams are throwing at stuff. We won't really know until the bell goes off for that first qualifying session to see, you know, who's going to be really uh, up front. And we do know that Suzuki, the comments made after the fact that they had some tires saved for day five, you know, of the Qatar test, the third day of the Erta test that they didn't get to run. So who knows what they had in store? So it's going to be an exciting start to the season. There's so many talking points without about, question about hey, how the real test quickly went. since we talked about that stuff. Yeah. Have you seen this Lorenzo stuff? Oh, what we we talked a little bit about yeah, it last like, week. There's more. Have you seen like now? It's like now there's like real people Lorenzo getting involved twi- in it. Is it Lorenzo it's, against the world on Twitter? It's, it's like yeah, like it's it's. I don't what, really know. What more is there? Because I, I really kind of rolled out of it. He's just lost the plot altogether. But it's just kind of funny. It's kind of weird. You think it's, he's having fun with people, or you think he's serious know, about it? I don't know him. Yeah, but it's it all seems a bit odd to me. I mean, I don't think he's very well liked, anyways, by the writers. I, I would. I don't think. So he wasn't, he was always known as a guy that just kind of did his own thing. Yeah, anyway. Which is good. Yeah, I mean, which is, which is good. And he's yeah. stirring the pot and I'm sure MotoGP loves the fact that he's stirring the pot. So you don't know him that well. You didn't, he didn't give you a text about how he, you lived no, 200 I'm pounds. I'm not tight with him. Like Dougie's tight with week. Valley. It's uh, not, oh it's yeah. Different. It's a different relationship. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah, he is. He did look 200 pounds. No, I mean, he looked chunky. All right. I'm gonna give you that. I mean, he didn't look like he was race weight or anything else, but, <laughs> but listen, as a guy who's, you know, now, what do you consider yourself? Girthy, what is it? Girthy, girthy? sure. So where is that? I can fill out that in relation to I can do. I can fill. Yeah. Where's that in relation? Where's that in relation to chunky? Yeah, is girthy a way of like? Is it like two or three, four steps above chunky, or where is that exactly? How did we go from Jorge Lorenzo? to Well, me? I was just asking. You're the one that brought up that I said he was 200 pounds. Well, you, I'm just saying. Well, you brought it up, so now we're on this to fat topic right. again, and I'm going to get hated for fat shaming and all this crap again. I know. I really? apologize, everybody. There's no I fat do. shaming. Try to zip up the leathers I got. I just think it's funny that yeah, <laughs> poor guy. Yeah, poor guy. We tried to get G Dub and a set of leathers this morning, and. There were parts of him that we didn't need to see that we saw. That's all I got to tell people. Uh, That's all. Big I guy in a little guy's coat. It wasn't good, G Dub. Hey, if we can lose twenty in the next week and a half, well, week and a half. Well, I'll tell you what. This is there is, any nutritionist out there that can help him? I, don't I can it. give them your diet. Kyle packs. Wyman called me and he told me, oh, "Call Hannah." This is so beautiful. His wife Hannah yeah. Lopa, our commentating partner, and get the Love beauty Hannah. pageant diet. And I should be able to cut a ton of weight before I get there. Before I get to Kevin says you should just get food poisoning. If there's a way that you can get food poisoning, dude, I've had food poisoning, uh, cocaine <laughs> might, might help. help me lose weight. Everybody's trying to help you. Yeah, everybody's trying to help me. Yeah, nobody. We know the healthy way. Nobody said liposuction because the healthy way is not going to work for it. The healthy way is not going to work for you. We know that. Wait, what's the healthy way? Eating right and you know eating a vegetable every now and then. I'm literally staring at a box full of Starbursts. How am I supposed to resist that? The only way, you know how like, you know, like if you got to give a dog medicine, you hide it in his food. The only way that I could get you to eat a vegetable is if I hide it in a donut. If I had like, imagine if I had some, throw some broccoli in like a, a donut for you and just go, great, enjoy the donut. You know what I mean? I am a little, since speaking of donuts, I am pretty excited about the race weekend here at CVMA coming up in 10 days from what we're talking because there's somebody online who said they're going to sponsor the race by bringing about seven dozen Winchell donuts. That's the motivation you have to get out here, and that's just sad, but that's great. Well, if I could figure out how aerodynamically to hang a donut about one, one and a half feet in front of the fairing. <laughs> one and a half feet? You just need to sprinkle coals back with donuts. Is that what chase I need? It. Just chase it. Yeah, whatever. Anyways. All right. Moving so on. That, yeah. So on next week's show, we're going to talk MotoGP testing. This time, it's going to be Moto2 and Moto3 from Qatar. We'll keep an eye on Americans Joe Roberts and Cameron Bobier for you. And we'll talk about Supercross Arlington 2 and 3 because obviously by the time you've listened to this, 2 is over. So we'll touch on that as well. We're also going to tell you about Greg's Ride to the Races. What is that all about? Look for some of that stuff on my Facebook page. There's a Greg's Garage YouTube channel. On Saturday, there'll be some information. We'll tell you more about that. A look ahead to this weekend and our race calendar. Of course, Supercross is in Arlington, Texas. AMA Hair Scrambles in Martinsville, Virginia, and the FIM X Trials World Championship in Austria. Well, that's it for this podcast. Anything else you want to say? Having a how to go for you, Jason, in front of a live studio audience. Kind of fun being around our friends. Is that right? Nolan's here. Got Nolan Lampkin came out. Little indie. 
he came all the way out. Finally, he hasn't come out here to race. He just comes out here and rip everybody up in track, you know, track days. Oh, yeah. yeah you know yeah. what I mean? He's like yeah. the, the big fish. In the little, exactly. You know what I mean? So I'm going to have to go out and ride with him tomorrow. I hope they can keep up. Am I going to be able to keep up with you, Nolan? We have one more day on track. One more which day. Will be it's going to be perfect. We had Tuesday. a little bit of a blowout this afternoon. Yeah, we had a lot of wind. So. A lot of wind this afternoon, but tomorrow's going to be perfect. Another day with all our friends. Yeah, the goal The goal at this point is just to chop this 12-second gap between myself and David Kolb. I'm pretty sure I can do that in two or three sessions. I don't know. Why are hey, people Mache, laughing Mache. back there? And what's great is Mache is the loudest. Yeah. Mache, Mache is, is – I'm going to say he's in your wheelhouse – but he's gonna get better. He's not in my wheelhouse. I'm trying to get to his wheelhouse. We gotta get right now. Andy that out. Stuff me in turn eight. Like, we gotta get Andy out. Like, I mean, there's just we got. You know I mean, so like, many. I was a Twinkie. I mean, look at Mache. The animal flew all the way home from New York to be here to be for for this race. I know. Fit and fight and ready. So it's been fun. Thanks everybody for listening to the podcast. Jason, you get the last word on the way out. What are you gonna say? Simon Barrett, get better.